You're listening to Cops and Spikes, a new podcast from the International Maze and Weeds Improvement Center, CIMIT. I'm your host, Rachel Kramer. This is a space where we break down complex science into bite-sized, audio-rich explainers. We have real conversations with experts from around the world who are innovating in the fields of agriculture, food security, and nutrition. We also listen to stories that link CIMIT's research with real-world applications. On today's episode, you'll meet Natalia Palacios, head of the Maize Nutritional Quality Lab at CIMIT. While increasing yields will be necessary to feed the 9.8 billion people expected by 2050, Palacios argues we also need to focus on improving the nutritional quality of food. Over 800 million people, about one out of nine, are considered undernourished, according to the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization. Find out how Palacio's research helps address this global challenge. The lab was set up at the beginning, I mean, more than 30 years ago, as a lab to support the breeding in terms of nutritional quality of maize. However, through the time, we have evolved and we have incorporated other areas of work, especially on industrial quality. So that uh, refers to the properties that the kernel needs in order to be processed in certain uh, ways. As, for instance, in wheat, kernel quality is really important because you cannot use all the wheat types to make bread or to make cookies or pasta, and you have to fulfill certain characteristics. So it's exactly the same in maize, although the uses of maize are more diverse and, uh, let's say, Previously, not much effort was put into the quality of the kernel. But since the demand of maize have increased for food uh, consumption and food processing, more characteristics of the kernel are being actually monitored in order to fulfill the processing methods. You talk about that there are all these different uses for maize. And so what are some of the different qualities that maybe a company that's making tortillas, what are they looking for that might be different than another kind of industrial food processor. Yeah, so for instance, in Mexico, we have two big uh, industries in terms of nixtamalization or lime cooking. One is the nixtamalized flour industry, and the other one is the traditional nixtamalization or the masa tortilla industry, as, as we call it here in Mexico. You can process any type of maize, yeah, but the efficiency of your process will be affected. The main characteristics that they are looking for is um, kernel hardness, kernel color, and kernel size. Apart, of course, that they are not uh, broken, that they don't have uh, external rubbish from the field, or that they are not contaminated, or things like that. Kernel size, color, and, and hardness, that depends on both the genetics and the agronomy, and of course a little bit on the post-harvest management. In the case of of the nixtamalized flour industry, they prefer kernels that are harder compared to the masa tortilla industry. And they have uh, reference numbers, and here in Mexico we have a facultative norm that they have to fulfill. So in that uh, facultative norm, you can see all the reference numbers for those criteria, and they decide which ones they can use. As I said, both industries can process any of those uh, maize types, but the efficiency will be affected. Yeah. Would they contact you and ask for farmers who are growing it, or like farmers would send you a sample and then you would confirm with 
the food processor that, yes, this maize from this farmer is what they say it is. For the industrial quality, yes, we can work with the food processors and they can come and say, okay, I bought this maize or I'm going to buy this maize and I want to know which are the characteristics of this one and if they, if those characteristics will fulfill my process uh, requirements, yeah? Because, yes, we can see the color, but what we give them is specific numbers, so it's more quantitative valoration of the quality. In terms of nutritional quality, uh, the main contact could be with the seed companies when they want to promote hybrids or varieties that are enhanced in terms of uh, nutrition, nutritional content. Yeah, So those seed companies can come to us and uh, bring the seed and say, okay, is this really a high zinc hybrid or high zinc variety? So we monitor and we give them the guarantee that yes, it is high zinc and then they can promote it like that. And for the farmers, uh, the information that we provide or that we are trying to provide to them is actually easy methodologies that they can use in their field to monitor the quality of their grain. So that information will uh, help them in a transaction moment, you know, when they, a, a buyer comes and say, no, this is it this grain is too hard, then they have some numbers that said, no, this is exactly the same as the grain that my neighbor is selling you or the grain that I know that you are buying somewhere else. Yeah? It's some information that helps them to uh, make the commercialization of their kernels. I think what's interesting, too, is that, I mean, even just with, like, colors, if there's interest in somebody who wants a blue maize or some kind of, you know, pigmented maize, your lab is really involved with checking that because... Sometimes what we can see with our eye is different than what you actually test in the lab. Yeah, I mean, in terms, for instance, in the case of the blue maize, yes, we provide the value of color that is given by a specific scale that uh, we use in, in the food science area. But we also can monitor the content of the anthocyanins, which are actually the chemical compounds that give the color, that blue color, to, to the kernels. So small differences in the concentration of anthocyanins can give small differences in the color. And that's the numbers that we monitor. It's exactly the same that um, for provitamin A or actually for carotenoids in general, we can say, okay, it's a yellow maize or it's an orange maize. But what we monitor is the concentration of carotenoids that are the compounds that give the orange or yellow color to the kernels. And what exactly, what would be the benefit of the plant to have these properties, like the carotenoids? Well, the, the carotenoids in the plants, actually, they are antioxidant compounds, yeah. They play a role in photosynthesis of the plant, capture the light, and they also help to protect them against biotic stresses. So in the case of an attack from a fungi or bacteria, they contribute to the immunological response, let's say. So they are part of building blocks or biochemical pathways that will contribute to help or prevent themselves from diseases. Also, in the case of carotenoids specifically, they are actually, the provitamin A carotenoids that are present in maize are actually the precursors of a, a hormone that is important for the germination of the seeds. So they do play a role. It's totally different of the role that we would like or that we are interested as human beings, but they have a role. And that's why one of the important things when we try to 
increase the content of certain compounds is to see what is the effect on the plant because they are there for certain reason and we have to monitor if we are affecting the, the final function of the compound. For protein, actually, we are not working on increased content of protein. What uh, it has been done through the years, and actually one of the pioneer researchers was uh, Dr. Evangelina Villegas here at CIMIT, it was to increase the quality of the protein. So in terms of total amount of protein, it's exactly the same, yeah, between 8 to 10 percent, but the quality of that protein is enhanced in the sense that the proteins are made of small blocks, yeah, and some of those blocks are really important for the human beings and actually monogastric animals. But uh, some of those blocks are actually lacking in maize. So through conventional breeding, what uh, Dr. Basal and Dr. Evangelina Villegas did was to increase those blocks that were in low quantities or missing in maize, and like that, increasing the quality of that protein. So that's the main work that we do in terms of proteins. How does your position as a maize quality specialist support Summit's mission for better food security and livelihoods? I know you've talked a little bit about that already, but... Yeah, well, uh, if we focus on nutritional improvement of maize, that actually contributes to um, the nutritional security more than the food security. Because what we want to do is to increase the content of certain compounds that are already available in maize, but in lower concentration, and uh, are important for those populations that don't have access to a diversified diet. That's uh, one of the contributions to the mission. And on the other hand, if we guarantee that the grain quality that is of the hybrids that are being produced at CIMIT fulfill the requirements of the end users or the consumers, we also can contribute to reduce the food waste, for instance. Yeah? So whatever is being produced is being actually consumed. Yeah, so that's another part of the contribution. And a guarantee, of course, that those uh, materials are high yielding and we have enough maize or enough uh, food for the people. Yeah. The Eat Lancet report came out recently and, you know, they really emphasized like more vegetables, yeah. smaller amounts of grains. Does that affect your research at all or do you feel like what you're doing in your lab and this Eat Lancet report are aligned? Most of the work that we we do at CIMIT is actually aligned with the recommendations and with points that are presented in the report. However, it's also a challenge. And being CIMIT a research institution is a really nice and interesting challenge that we all as a, as a, as a population, we have to try to, to contribute. And one of the big challenges is um, the use of whole grain. At the moment, people are consuming a lot of uh, maize or wheat or rice, but we consume it, not the whole grain, yeah? Stripped of its exactly. nutrients. Exactly. It's, it's already processed. It's in the case of maize, for instance, they remove the pericarp, the outer layer, and the germ, where we find many of the nutrients and fiber, which is important as highlighted in the, in the report. So actually, now the challenge is to ensure that we produce uh, high-yielding varieties that have good quality for processing as a whole kernels or also try to identify process where we can use kernels 
as a whole kernel, yeah, to increase and motivate the consumption of whole kernels. But because if you see right now, I mean, if you have a product of whole kernels and processed kernels, people go for the processed ones, yeah, because whole kernel, you know, people don't like it, the color is not nice, etc. So we have to work, I mean, and it's a challenge for many disciplines, from breeding to food scientists, etc., to develop uh, varieties and food products that people actually enjoy when they are consumed. And actually that fulfill also all the social environment of food. Because one thing is, yes, you have to consume whole kernels, but if they have not been part of the diet or the culture, it's also a challenge to change those, uh, those ways, customs. Or customs. Those, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Learn how Simit and its partners are working on smart solutions by visiting our website, www.cimmyt.org. You can subscribe to Cobbs and Spikes on iTunes, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.